Hello and welcome to the Belmont Journal, your source for hyperlocal news and community updates. I'm Mike Crowley, your host this week. Just a, rem just a reminder, you have until October 17th to register to vote for the November 6th election. You can check your registration status at the Secretary of the Commonwealth's website. If you're registered, you can also participate in early voting from October 22nd to November 2nd at the Belmont Town Hall. And if you don't vote early, be sure to vote on November 6th. Also, the Board of Selectmen is looking for volunteers to serve on the Transportation Advisory Committee, a new committee to replace the Traffic Advisory Committee. The deadline is November 1st, and you can get more information on the town's website. Question number four on the November 6th ballot is the debt exclusion for Belmont's new 7 to 12 school. The debt exclusion is voter permission to raise property taxes to pay for financing construction of the new school. The Belmont Media Center, your community TV station, has followed all of the meetings about the project. We've also produced a video explaining how this school project has come about. Be sure to check the website at belmontmedia.org for more information. Last week, there was an energy summit to discuss the energy future of the new school building. Bill Lavallo, the chair of the high school built building committee, was there to talk about how sustainability was factored into the design of the new school building. Here are the highlights. Uh, what is zero net energy? Uh, first, you're starting to reduce as much of the building's uh, annual energy needs as possible, and that with efficient designs and so forth, and I'll go through that in a bit, and then you balance those energy needs with su uh, supplied energy from you know, renewable uh, energy sources. Uh, the first thing you do is try to uh, be smart about how you design the building, just the building itself, uh, looking at the skin to uh, volume ratio, trying to be compact, uh, trying to use very good materials on the exterior of the building for insulation purposes. We did all that, checked those boxes. Uh, having a good window percentage, in other words, not being too excessive with windows, still balancing out the daylight, and finally uh, making sure that building is oriented in the right direction to capture the best uh, solar, uh, solar aspects. So that got us down a little, and then you go to the next one, energy reductions through uh, services. So. 100% LED lighting, well that's pretty much the norm these days, but that certainly helps out. Uh, and then we started doing some new things with ventilation. Uh, we have sensors in the rooms now that will uh, shut the system down to an unoccupied mode when it doesn't sense anyone there. You don't have to worry about the light switches anymore, although it's still good to, to instill that. The, the, the building's gonna be smart. So it's, and then finally, you've probably heard this, but we have made a, a a big push into getting uh, a geo exchange well field on this site, which allows us to use geothermal energy, so energy from the ground to heat and cool the building. That really takes us down quite a bit, you can see there too. Uh, we actually have two buildings in, in town already that use geothermal. We have the senior center, then we have Wellington School. Using a building like this for reducing it and, and to reduce energy, it's not just going in like you do today and turning on a light switch or having it go on by itself. It's also a mindset. It's, it's about what you use that you don't need to use, what energy you're using today that you don't need to use that you're wasting. So by dialing down the, the demand for plug loads 
you're able to achieve those uh, that and, and that's a that's a mindset it's written in here as uh, building a green culture I call it an attitude finally a third of the energy demand of the building will be uh, grabbed grab through solar uh, radiation these are flat panels they don't you won't see them from the neighborhood or the road they'll be sitting flat on the roof they look probably something like that and so total saving pre uh, present net savings would be about five million dollars on this project with this type of system so it's certainly over the life 30 years uh, that's still a pretty sizable chunk welcome to this week in the citizen herald belmont's online and print news source and also available at Wicked Local Belmont. And welcome back, Joanna Jubilus. Uh, Thank you, Michael. Multimedia journalist <laughs> with the Citizen Herald. Thank you very much. Great to be here. It's good to have you back. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about the high school traffic advisory group or working group. Yes, I'll give you an update on mm -hmm. that. They've, they've been meeting. Um, I haven't been able to go to any of their meetings, unfortunately. I'm hoping to come go to an up coming one. Uh, Ann Paulson is the chairman. Right. And, but what they've done recently is they have a memo of understanding that they want the school committee selectmen and high school building committee to sign mm -hmm. that commits to resolving. Um, so, so basically they want them to resolve or commit to resolve the outstanding issues regarding related to the high school traffic on or before November 6th, which is the debt exclusion vote. Right. So, so some people are concerned about traffic around the right. new the new. There's a lot of school. public safety mm -hmm. issues that remain unresolved, mm -hmm. and they're concerned, um, such as drop-offs, parking, uh, safe walking, biking, driving to school, consideration of entrances and exits to and from the site, mm -hmm. from both Concord Avenue and Underwood and Hittinger Streets, signage, um, turning from May Streets into neighborhoods, tables and speed bumps on adjoining streets. There are a lot of outstanding so, issues. So all reasonable issues. I'm, I'm wondering if, if they're looking for assurances that we will not see an increase in traffic. Well, I think they really just want to know that these issues will either be resolved or, you know, that at some point down the road they will be, you know, there will be solutions. Okay. But basically the school committee... Uh, sent uh, a response to their memo of understanding which says um, you know we agree that this is these are problems and we we want to commit to resolve them we just can't do it by November 6th we can't have a deadline mm -hmm. so that these are ongoing issues mm -hmm. that they're looking at and they you know they're hoping to resolve them mm -hmm. they can't necessarily resolve them by a certain deadline and they can't necessarily commit to resolving them by a certain deadline either because it could it could take time, it could take a lot of time. And, and just one example of a potential mitigation measure, the Alexander Avenue underpass, mm -hmm. you know, could take up to a couple of years right. to, to get that in place. Yeah. Um, well, next week I'll have an update because I'm definitely going to go to um, an upcoming meeting and I'll have more of an update to see what happens now that the school committee sent in this response. So okay. I'll let you know. So some people are concerned about a potential closing of, I mean, maybe it's more than potential. It's not potential, it's okay. definite. Um, so, well, if the debt exclusion passes right. and the high school project moves forward, the Higginbottom pool will have to close temporarily from the spring of 2019 for two years. Okay, and and so this impacts people oh, on swim teams. Anyone, yeah, the, um, any, uh, the high school boys and girls swim teams, 
the BATS program, the Dolphins program, any member of the recreation program, Special Olympics. We're talking, we're talking at least 350 swimmers that will okay. be affected. So, so is the town, is the town looking? They for are. And June Howell from the recreation mm -hmm. department, she's been looking, and she said she cannot find anything yet. However, Jim Davis, the athletic director, is is not as concerned. He's like, I will find an alternate pool. If it means they have to practice at 5 a.m. in the morning, so be it. Okay. All the meets will be off-site. Patrice Garvin, town administrator, has also said she will look for an alternate pool. But okay. we'll see what happens. All right, and so um, not a lot of time left, but Airbnb? Well, I'm just going to say that the, the planning board did say for Springtown meeting they're going to look at drafting a bylaw for uh, stricter regulations on Airbnbs in the town because currently... Um, there is an issue in one particular neighborhood where mm -hmm. a home next door is an Airbnb and there's people coming in and out daily, weekly, and this homeowner said, I did not buy the house to live next door to a hotel. Okay. All right, Joanna. So they're going to try to do something about it to fix it. Okay. Well, thank you. We'll talk to you next time. Thank you. And now it's time for our community calendar with Jane Peters of all the exciting things happening in Belmont this week. Jane also has an interview with Gavin Farrell, the executive director of the Powers Music School, who shares some exciting news with us. Hi, everybody, and welcome to your community calendar for this week. Uh, before we get into the week's events, we have a special guest with us. We've got Gavin Farrell. Thanks for being here again with us on the community calendar. You're very welcome. We've got um, an awesome uh, week-long series of events that you guys are going to be holding um, right. at the end of October. So can you tell us a little bit about what that's going to be and what it's going to look like? Sure. So this is our first workshop week. This mm -hmm. is a new thing for Powers um, in an effort to connect with Belmont and the surrounding communities mm -hmm. where we stop regular classes and lessons for a week and invite the community to join our students and families in a week of fun and interactive workshops. Mm -hmm. Great. And this is open to anyone within Powers and outside, general public too? Yes, that's absolutely right. So Powers students and their families come for free. Everyone else just pays $5 per workshop. And it sounds cliche, but there really is something for everyone. Yeah, cool. So can you give us a little taste of some of the options that are out there? Yeah, so there's things like you'd expect, workshops for piano and violin, mm -hmm. but then everything from the ukulele to West African drumming to playing violin like a rock star. Um, and then there's a whole series of workshops. So for students in uh, public schools and private schools that are getting ready for their district auditions, mm -hmm. there's a whole series of workshops to help kids knock their audition out of the park too. Um, and there's things for adults as mm -hmm. well. So um, there's uh, actually, I think, 55 workshops we're putting on in the week. And if folks come to our website, uh, um, powersmusic.org slash workshop week, they can find everything listed there. Great. And things, I'm assuming, for beginners through people who have some experience with some of the instruments? Yeah, that's absolutely right. So if you've never touched an instrument or sung before and you're just interested in trying something out without a long-term commitment, mm -hmm. um, you can come and do that. Or if you've been playing or singing for a while, there's stuff for more, more seasoned musicians, too. Great. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about uh, what, what, what's the ultimate goal with uh, a week like this? Is it outreach or just kind of trying to offer more to the public? Or Yeah, so it's a couple of things. So for the community, it's just a chance for us to connect with them more. For our own students, it actually goes back to some experiences I had when I was a kid. Mm -hmm. um, and so 
for a music student, uh, regular weekly lessons and classes and is what it's all about. Mm -hmm. um, ex but there were times when I was young where that routine got broken up, where my teacher invited a guest artist in to talk to us or do something different. Mm -hmm. And those were kind of flashpoint moments in my education, things that really got me excited and in some cases changed the direction of what I was doing. Mm -hmm. So for our own students, it's about having moments like that. Um, but opening the doors to the whole community gives everyone a chance to have that experience and maybe you know try something they'd never tried before. Great. Well, it sounds like a really awesome opportunity. Where can people go to see a list of the workshops and to maybe sign up? Sure. You can go to our website, www.powersmusic.org slash workshopweeks. Perfect. All right. Well, we hope you have a great week. And uh, make sure you check out some of those workshops and see what might fit for you and what you might be interested in learning. Thank you so much for being here today. You're very welcome. Thanks for having me. Great. On Monday, kids can participate in Mad Science Radical Robots at the library from 2.30 to 3.30 or 4.30 to 5.30. Get wrapped up in the world of robotics as kids control an automation through sound, move a robot through a maze, and make a soccer robot score a goal. Register on the library's website. The Belmont Garden Club will be hosting their monthly meeting on Wednesday at 10 a.m. This month's program is about celebrating fall with Sogetsu Akbana at the Beth L. Temple Center. See a full list of the Garden Club's programs on belmontgardenclub.org. Visit the Beach Street Center on Wednesday for coffee and conversation with Town Administrator Patrice Garvin at 11. Patrice will share what her typical day is like, her role and responsibilities, and will answer some of your questions. One of the most poignant and disturbing aspects of Frankenstein is the monster's experience of rejection and isolation due to his physical appearance. Join a conversation about the monster within and the experience of the outsider in a program at the library on Thursday from 7 to 9 as a part of One Book, One Belmont. And on Friday, enjoy a free field trip to the MGH Museum of Medical History and Innovation. The visit will include a guided and self-guided tour of the museum, followed by a tour of the famous Bullfinch Building and its Ether Dome. Register for this event on the library website. The Belmont Gallery of Art has a new show coming to its space on Friday. An opening reception for The Emotion of Color will take place from 6 to 9 p.m. This exhibit explores abstract expressionism in the 21st century, featuring artists Jean Arthur and Nedret Andre. On Saturday, visit Belmont Books for a Frankenstein Read Aloud Marathon, all day from 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. Here, local authors, store and cafe staff, town officials, and local community members tackle Sherry's horror classic. Discover what Chop Chop Family is all about in a fall open house on Saturday at Chop Chop Test Kitchen. Learn about upcoming classes, discover some quick, tasty recipes, and participate in fun food games and activities like pedaling a blender bike to make smoothies. This free event takes place from 3 to 5. Saturday, October 20th is Community Media Day, and the Media Center is celebrating free speech with an audiovisual open mic from 1 to 5. Musicians, poets, filmmakers, authors, and more are welcome to sign up for 10-minute slots to celebrate their freedom of speech as they see fit. Sign up and learn more at belmontmedia.org slash openmic. And that's it for this week. If you'd like your event featured in Belmont Journal's community calendar, you can send your event info to jane at belmontmedia.org. Belmont High School students are fundraising to raise awareness of breast cancer. The school's hot pink committee coordinates its Making Strides team for the annual Making Strides Breast Cancer Walk. 
That walk took place on September 30th, but the committee continues to look for ways to raise money both at the school and throughout Belmont. We spoke with high school senior David Yan about their fundraising efforts and how we can all contribute to this worthy cause. Uh, I'm David Yan. I'm a senior at Belmont High and I'm on the Hot Pink Committee. The Hot Pink Committee is just anything and everything breast cancer. We just did the walk. It was great. I, I believe all my years here at the high school, we've broken the top five in the state of terms of fundraising. Kids sell like just a variety of things at uh, the lunch and at parent-teacher conferences and at the football games. We got t-shirts, um, bracelets. Uh, this is new this year. When I was in freshman year, we had this t-shirt with the slogan, I wear pink for the one in eight because in one in eight women experience um, breast cancer at some point in their life. The fact holds true, like breast cancer is really pervasive and is, it affects a lot of people. October 19th is our Pinkapalooza Day and it's where merchants give uh, these cash donations but also these door prizes. A bunch of businesses in the center and Cushing Square are uh, donating a portion of the profits for that day, I believe. The 30th Chipotle, they are doing a fundraiser. 33% of profits are going to go to our Making Strides team and Bertucci's 23rd on their paint night. They're going to offer 15% if they get 1,000. 1,500 they're going to offer 20% and over 2,000 they're going to offer 25%. And um, they usually have great turnouts and they're just so nice to like still keep up with that promise so on the 23rd they're doing it again so we're grateful for that yeah the belmont community is very philanthropic uh a lot of people care and um like just those businesses from belmont car wash to like the businesses in the center they just uh, donate and donate the profits as well of that so yeah belmont cares anyway, we're really grateful for that Cuvée Fine Wines in Belmont Center is hosting a wine school with an upcoming event on October 18th focused on the wines of Italy's Piedmont region. Swapnil Gandbeer, Cuvée's owner, tells us more. My name is uh, Swapnil Gandbeer and I'm the owner of Cuvée Fine Wines here in Belmont Center. So just, just a little bit of my background, I'm not from the wine industry or the beverage industry. I used to work for a big company in, in finance for many, many years. And um, at some point while buying, buying the wine, I didn't have, I had a couple of like not so great experiences. And I kind of thought like, oh, I could do this, a good job of this. So one of the things, one of the things that we, we quickly realize is our our customers here in Belmont are very knowledgeable. They're very well traveled, and but also they're also very curious and always eager to learn. So 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 we started off with doing one seminar, and and people people were really interested in it and interested in learning. So this is one of so this is one of the. Uh, one of the events we are doing and we'll hopefully continue to do many more. There's so much to learn about wines. There's, you can learn about wine regions, discover some different varietals that you have not, fam that you are not familiar with. So, uh, 
So we think like our customers will really enjoy that. And so, uh, we have uh, Mike Petruzzo from uh, Vias Imports coming to do, uh, do a wine seminar on the wines of Piedmont, uh, Italy. So uh, obviously most of us know uh, Barolo and Barbarescos uh, or Nebbiolo as the king of grapes in Italy. Uh, but Mike's going to be presenting each of the wines, describe, describe, uh, describe the wine, describe the winemaking technique, and, uh, and people will taste the wine. We are, he will also, obviously he will do an overview of Piedmont and, and, and talk about the region and the winemakers there and, and some, of the, some of his favorites. So the wine seminar is going to be, be here, right here on October 18th, which is a Thursday from, it will start at 6.30 and go about till eight o'clock. We'll have some food here uh, to, to clean your palate as you, as you taste some wine. And we hope it will be really fun and obviously a great learning experience. Belmont Serves celebrated 10 years of giving to Belmont on Columbus Day, also known as Indigenous Day. Joanna Juvelis has the report. This year we're doing the food drive, which uh, brings in a lot of food. We're don donating food to the Lazarus House in Lawrence. Uh, they're feeding a lot of the people who lost the houses in the recent explosions. So they, they really need all the food that they can get. And then we have uh, gardening projects over at Burbank School and Butler School and some cleanup around uh, Clay Pit Pond. Service is something that unites all of the different houses of worship and faith that participate in the Religious Council. And as a clergy member and uh, an interfaith uh, minister, I really like uh, how this event brings everybody together and reminds us that loving your neighbor is a universal value we can all get behind. Uh, well, first of all, it's a wonderful family event, and secondly, it's a wonderful cause. We've done it for the last six or seven years anyway. We do the food drive. We drive around town with the kids in the back of the van, and we pick up all the food bags, and it's just really a lot of fun, and the kids enjoy it. Well, we like to help every year picking up the bags. We've started when the kids were in kindergarten. Now I've got Jonathan here with me, and we like to do something for the community. So we, we enjoy doing this once a year and a few other things. Well, I think it's an important way to spend the day because Belmont's a community that cares. People get involved helping one another, and when you do service, it's a way to be part of something bigger than yourself, and it's fun. You know, you get to interact with your neighbors. Uh, I find it to be rewarding, and so here I am. I come every year. And uh, Belmont has a lot of events like this where the community gets involved. And now it's time for sports. Belmont High School's varsity football team, the Marauders, played Winchester on October 5th, winning the game 17 to 14. We have some highlights. 3rd and 2, the deep back is uh, uh -oh. uh, Joseph oh. picks it up! And Joseph on kind of a botched play, oh, and he's a for a touchdown! <laughs> so here we go, it is 4th and 12, Fiorentino in the shotgun with 24 seconds left. Oh. Looking deep, and he's got a man, and it is caught, and it will be a touchdown for the Winchester Sachems. That's number 
can uh, can come through on this one if he gets time. Screen. Dumps it off to Rakai Joseph. Are there blockers? He's trying to break free. He does, he does have it. And now he's in the open field. And there goes Rakai Joseph down that whole play on the monitor. I'm gonna watch this play on the monitor too. That's a touchdown. Fiorentino, crowd uh, making noise here at Harris Field. Fourth down and goal. Can make noise too. Sure, flags are flags down. all over the place. Sure, it's the throw. It's gonna be a... I don't think not a throw, it's, it's incomplete. No, he Hampton didn't. Trout getting ready. Again, Arno to hold Stepanian to snap. Let's just hope everything is clean and you get the ball down and Trout can kick this away. It is, it's a little bit low. Good drop though. And the kicker's good. And the kicker's good. The Marauders have won. That's all for now, and I hope to see you next time.